Pastor Bill. Uh, Pastor Rich is up north today, but he will be back with us next week. And so <clears throat> you have to put up with me today. So I'm thinking about <clears throat> this idea of where we're going. And in fact, I've even titled this message, Going Somewhere. I don't know if you had the, the reports here like we did in Maryland <clears throat> during COVID, but I remember reading a story about, it was actually in August of 2020, where airlines began to offer flights to nowhere. Did anybody ever read that? There was flights from Taiwan, Japan, Australia that would take off, and the flight time was about 90 minutes. And after 90 minutes, the plane returned right back to the same airport that it took off from. Tickets ranged from $575 to $2,700. People would bring their luggage. They would check through TSA. They would get on the plane. They would hear the captain say, prepare the cabin for flight and take off. And they would take off and fly for 90 minutes and come right back to the same airport that they started out from. And the, the amount of people that took advantage of this, uh, one, the, one Taiwanian seat, uh, flight had 309 seats all filled. The Japan flight, 300 seats all filled. The Australian flight was sold out in 10 minutes after it was announced. And when people were being interviewed on the way back, they were saying to one another, it just felt normal for us to do that. Again, this is during COVID. And again, I don't know, we, we weren't living here in Texas during that time. We were living on the East Coast and it was very much a lockdown state that we were in. But I thought to myself, Spending $2,700 on a ticket to go nowhere in order to feel normal. And I, I, I always preach from the perspective of connecting your spiritual decisions to what's happening in the natural. And it's important for you to consider what things you might be doing in your life today that you're doing because it helps you feel normal about the life that you're living. And so the question is going to come down to, are you going somewhere? Or are you really going nowhere in the things that you're doing? Now, I'm really enjoying, <clears throat> I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to brag on our prayer team. I'm just really enjoying the life that's coming out of Bethel right now. Yeah. I really am. I haven't, again, haven't been with Bethel that long, but I've been here long enough to know that the level of worship and the things that we're doing on Sunday is different than when it was a year ago. I know that Bethel is on a journey somewhere. But I also know that not everybody's going there. And I also know that because we bring and broadcast this around the world, I don't know about where you are and your particular situation. If you are doing things just to help you feel normal 
or if you can really see yourself moving in a direction, or and if you're a believer, listen, I, I have a message typically for the church. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus, Jesus is on the move. And sometimes that's irritating. I like to have things in order. <laughs> I'll just be honest with you. But Jesus a lot of times leads me in chaos. And that is not good for my anxiety. But he is on the move somewhere. And so I want us today to just think about, in the few minutes that we have here, I want you to just think about maybe things that you're doing or not doing so that you can kind of keep your world normal and feeling normal. And even though you may put a smile on your face, you're really not going anywhere. Can you, can you look back over the past 12 months and see that something is different or that you're in a different place with the Lord today than you were 12 months ago? Now, that might not even be a question that you ask yourself, or you may not even consider putting spiritual goals, which is really life goals to me. It's just life goals. What is it that you would like to be doing 12 months from now that you're not doing right now? And if you can think along those lines, I could tell you it's going to cause you to have an act of faith. Your well-wishing and your hope and your belief that something will change without you putting an act of faith in place is you getting on a plane to nowhere. I really actually had in my notes, nobody's going to say amen here. <laughs> so you guys are good. You're right with me. But I don't think that's what the Lord's doing here in Bethel. I don't think that's what the Lord is doing in the church, in the world today. I think he has actually stepped up his pace. Doesn't it feel like it? He stepped up his pace. And it can feel uncomfortable for us. But I got some really good news for you. It's just going to take an act of faith. So I want to use Gideon today in just a kind of a backdrop. You're going to notice if you, if you listen to Rich, uh, Pastor Rich preach, as a teacher, he brings a message differently than I do. And so I always tell people, you've got to be a good student to be in the room to follow me. I'm not a good teacher. <laughs> so you've got to be a good student. But I want to use Gideon today to get you to think about something that God may be asking you to do. And so Gideon was living in a land that every fall or every harvest... Enemies would come into Israel and steal all their food. It happened so regularly that it was common. And they just got used to living that way. They knew that just before the harvest would be uh, uh, taken, that they would have to hide stuff and, and withdraw because when the enemies would come in, they would just clean them out. And it was just a normal pattern of life. But the Lord showed up with Gideon and asked him to do something, an act of faith that would absolutely change that pattern. And I could tell you, Gideon was not really excited 
about it. In fact, when the Lord found him, he was hiding in a building behind some equipment. He wasn't really jazzed about being asked to do something in faith, but he did it and it completely changed Israel's economy. I'm just going to read this to you. It's in Judges 6, and it starts in verse 23. The Lord is comforting him after showing up and challenging him, in, him. And he says, it's all right, the Lord replied. Do not be afraid. You will not die. Now, I almost stopped right there and just said, you know, there's like 15 messages right here. How many of us need from time to time just to hear the Lord say, it's okay. You're not going to die. I mean, maybe four or five times a day for me where I'm at right now. It's okay. You're not going to, there's just something about the Lord saying, listen, it's okay. I got you. You're not going to die. You're with me. And we need to hear that from time to time. So in verse 24, it says, Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. The altar remains in Oprah in the land of the clan of Abba Ezer to this day. That night, the Lord said to Gideon, this is verse 25, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that is seven years old. Pull down your father's altar to Baal. Cut down the Asherah pole standing beside it. Then build an altar to the Lord your God here on this hilltop sanctuary, laying the stones carefully. Sacrifice the bull as a burnt offering on, on the altar, using, a fuel, using as fuel the wood of the Asherah pole you cut down. So Gideon took ten of his servants and did as the Lord commanded. But he did it at night because he was afraid. <laughs> I get that. He was afraid of the other members of his father's house and the people of the town. When I read that, the first time I read that, there's something that struck me about that that was just profound. Gideon does two basic acts of faith. One was removing something, and one was declaring something. What he had to remove was this altar to Baal. Now, the altar to Baal was a worship to the fertility god, Baal. And so when you worship Baal, I'm, I'm talking in these false terms, but they were living under that. It, they thought that it would help promote childbirth and, and uh, your crops on your farm would be healthy and your animals would give birth. And so there was this declaration that Israel was doing that they were putting their hope and their trust in Baal to be their future and not God. Do you get that? Now, I'm going, to I'm going to twist this a little bit or turn this a little bit for you because I want you to stop thinking about what the culture of Israel was like, and I want you to begin to think about things in your own life that we may have created an altar to, to something other than God, that one of the acts of faith that the Lord may want you to do is tear it down, or at least disagree with it, at least begin to push it back. And so there's a removing that sometimes needs to be done in our hearts in order to move into the acts of faith and move into the things that God has called, uh, caused us or is calling us to do. Listen, friends, I don't, I don't want to sugarcoat this. That's, that's hard to do. Without the power of God, it's hard to do. 
When the Lord begins to show you things that we have made an idol over, maybe even over your own ability, or maybe over finances, or maybe over your relationship. I mean, I could go on and on and on. There's a lot of things that we build up idols in our heart that we replace God with. And God is asking us, listen, I I want you to make me God. (laughs) I want you to come to me for everything. And so Gideon was being asked to remove this thing from from this community. The other thing he asked him to do, now this this caught my attention being a seventh generation beef farmer. When I heard this passage read, that God asked him to take the second bull, and sacrifice it. What that communicates to me is this is the future of the farm. You can't use the current bull to stud year after year after year after year. There's a point in time where you have to stop that and you have to bring a new animal in to keep the life of the farm going on. And so as a seventh generation beef farmer from the Midwest, when I read this, God was asking Gideon, the very thing you're putting your trust in for the future, I want you to lay on an altar for me. Now, I don't know what a bull cost back in that day, but they're pretty expensive, no matter what day you're in, because they are the future of life and prosperity for your farm. So think about this. The Lord now says, I want you to pull down the altar that you were worshiping and declaring for your future, but there's one more thing I want you to do. I want you to take the very thing that you're trusting in yourself for the future, and I want you to give it to me. Friends, there's not many of us that are butchering animals. Of course, in Texas, there's more than there were where I just came from, so there may be here. I tell you what, I see these longhorn cattle. I'm just fascinated with them. I'm just like, that would have been pretty cool <laughs> to learn how to move those around. We didn't have, we had black Angus. But this was a major, major step of faith for Gideon. It's just like, and I'm going to take a step forward to you. It's just like when a pastor speaks to the followers of Christ, and ask them to trust him with your finances. Oh, pastor, I need that for the future. Yeah, I know that. You're not really expecting me to tithe, are you? I'm not. Jesus is. You're not really expecting me to do, to actually give money that I know I'm going to need next month. I'm not. But as a follower of Jesus, he is. I'm not the one that provides for your future. Listen, I'm not the one that provides for my future. He does. And so what we're asking, what the word of God is asking in this Gideon moment is for you to think, maybe it's not finances. I'm just using that because I always get a really quiet response just like I did with you. 
I can start touching your political affiliation and money, and both of those do the same thing in a congregation. It gets real quiet. <laughs> but friends, listen, Jesus, whatever that is for you, whatever you've made an idol out of, we've got to remove that and, do, and move in the opposite spirit of it. Are we really going to tell Jesus, listen, are we really going to tell him we believe that you're going to save our souls if we make an act of, you know, we speak a, a confession to you and maybe we get water baptized or we raise our hand. We believe that you could save our souls, but I can't trust you to save me next month. It takes, here's, here, I want you to think about this. It takes, this is the main point, it takes an act of faith to change your destination from nowhere to somewhere. Now, I've seen this played out. As a senior pastor, I've seen it played out in an organization. I've seen it played out in lives. I want to just tell you just two stories in this message. Our church was growing, and we needed to hire more staff. We couldn't hire more staff until we grew bigger. We needed to grow bigger to hire more staff. It was a catch-22. And so... I called our executive team together, and I said, listen, it's clear that the Lord wants us to grow, but there's not enough money in the budget to do it. In fact, we were $20,000 short. And so I called our team together. I said, I don't know what to do here. I know that the Lord has an answer for us, so let's take some time out, and let's just pray. We were meeting the first Saturday of each month. And so I said, let's just take some time and pray over the next month. Let's just ask the Lord what he wants us to do. And so a couple of weeks into that prayer, the Lord said this to me. He said, 10,000 of that shortfall is your responsibility and 10,000 of it is mine. And I felt, hallelujah. So I got excited immediately knowing that what the Lord was saying to us is we just needed to have a spiritual shift in the church where it comes to giving and tithing. And so in the next week or so before our next meeting, I kind of just penciled out a, a series in tithing that I was going to reveal to the executive team that I was going to be preaching on. And so I couldn't wait for that Saturday meeting. We got together, we pulled our team together, and I said, listen, I got to tell you what the Lord said to me. I said, the Lord said 10,000 of that's our responsibility and 10,000 of it is his. And I looked down on my notes and I said, so over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to do a, a series on tithing and we're going to move this church. And before I got too far in that, I began to hear somebody in the room weeping. And then I heard two people weeping. And then three of my executive team was weeping in the room. And now I knew something was going on. And so I closed my notes up and I said, uh, what's happening? And one after another, they began to talk about either they stopped tithing because of financial pressure or they changed how much they were giving. They no longer was giving their support in faith, which is tithing. Okay, it's a spiritual act. And so we stopped the meeting, and we spent the rest of our time, we were praying for one another, we encouraged one another, we blessed one another, we stood and we, we 
wept with one another. And before that meeting was over, we repented before the Lord and said, Lord, forgive us. And so I let that meeting feel pretty good. I said, okay, Lord, you nailed it. I don't know how that's going to translate, but hallelujah. So the next day was Sunday. I come to the pulpit, and before I came up <clears throat> in Annapolis, we had two colleges in town. And so we, were, we regularly had college students in our church. And they always were having something planned that we, they wanted me to be a part of. <laughs> it, was, it was really an interesting life that we had there. One of the midshipmen grabbed me. He was Because we had the Naval Academy, we had St. John's. We had philosophy, and we had a war college in Annapolis. And one of the midshipmen grabbed me and said, Pastor, can I talk with you after the service? I said, sure. So I preach, and we have our service, and life is good. And I'm walking out the door, and he grabbed me, and he said, listen, um, <clears throat> I've been talking with my parents, and I've been praying about this, and I know that the Lord wants me to give this to you, and he handed me an envelope. <clears throat> I opened up that envelope, and there was a check in it. Does anybody want to take a wild guess how much that check was for? Yeah. From a college student. <clears throat> in 24 hours guess what I was doing Monday I was hiring a new staff person <clears throat> and our church jumped to the next level it's always a spiritual thing I mean, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you have got to examine your heart. Because those leaders who repented prospered themselves. The pressures that was on them for their families just dissipated. I don't know how the Lord does that. It was simply a shift spiritually. That was a profound moment. I think what that did for me as a church leader is it put finances somewhere down here. Not, not just for me personally, but to lead an organization is a little bit differently. It feels different. But to knowing I had a partner with the Lord was pretty good. And I think about passages like this because Jesus talks to us like this, this passage in Luke 16, verse 10. This is the words of Jesus. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, that's money, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Do you realize that everything you have was given to you? And do you realize that everything that's given to you, you'll have to leave one day? And if you're a follower of Jesus, we've got a great day ahead of us. We'll get to appear before the master, and the master is going to say, okay, let's look at what I've given you. And the discussion is only going to be about where faith and stewardship intersected. And I think that's going to be a really fun time.
I hope you look forward to that. To look forward to that is an acknowledgement like Gideon that I'm going to trust Jesus for my future and not myself. I'm not going to wrap up my security in what the market is doing or how my company is doing because I've never read in the Bible where Jesus is poor or broke or busted or confused or neglectful. I've never read that. My own personal experience is he's not like that at all. And so sometimes some of you have more contact with me than others, but you're always hearing me say, what is the Lord speaking to you about everything? There's situations in your life that there's a spiritual component to that. And the Lord wants you to ask, what is that and how are you walking in that? For Bethel, this is a Gideon moment right now. Out of all the things that Bethel might need, and out of all the things that the church needs in the world today, it's not health, it's not more money, it's faith. We have bought in, a lot of us have bought in to the system that we need to live our life safely. And we we fail to understand that doing that gets you out of what God wants in your life. And in some extreme cases, you're actually disobedient to the things of the Lord. I remember when Ratasha walked into our church. She walked in with four kids because she didn't have a car, she didn't have a job, and she lived at a government housing facility which was about a mile away. And so Ratasha walked into our church that one day And she experienced something that she wanted to explore. And so she kept coming back and coming back and coming back. And after about five months or so, we were were conducting our next membership class. And according to our bylaws, you know, you've got to be a faithful attendee. And you've got to um, understand the principles of tithing and support for the church. And, you know, there's a whole list of it. But I'm just using tithing in this message. And so I remember Ratasha asking me, so is tithing just when I give something into the church, that's what the offering is called? And I said, no. So tithing is giving God the first tenth, not the last tenth, the first tenth of your income. I just defined that bull for you, didn't I? (laughs) This Gideon moment. And so she began to process that, and she wanted to find out if there's a God in heaven that actually believes that. And so I don't know what her first step of faith was financially. Again, they were living on welfare. But almost immediately, Ratasha was offered a part-time job, and she started to work. That next year, a school asked her to come be the school secretary 
and now she had a full-time job. That following year, another school hired her to be their administrator with a staff. And I'll never forget this call I got from Natasha. She called me laughing, and, I, and she said, I just got in a lot of trouble with my neighbors here where I live. I said, why? She goes, well, they're telling me I have too many cars that are allowed to be parked in this parking lot. At that time, she had three cars, all tagged, all licensed, all insured for her family. Ratasha went from having nothing to seeing an incredible blessing poured out onto her life. Why? Because she went after God to find out if this God is true or not. I told her like in the year five, it's like, Ratasha, somebody just strapped a rocket to your backside. The things that are happening in your life are off the hook. When I left Annapolis a year and a half ago, she had just finished her degree and stopped working and started her own business in Annapolis. I'm going to call her and see if she can move her family here to Texas and work her business from here. I make a note of that. There's something about taking on the God of heaven that he leads us to that goes beyond our understanding and our comprehension of what happens in economy, what's happening in America, what's happening in the world. God operates in a different system, and he's asking his people to trust him for the future and no one else. And I'm asking you, if you would trust in Jesus and make a shift in faith right now, because this community needs you. I don't know where you are in the world, but I can tell you as a follower of Christ, the community that you're in needs a man or a woman who will take on the living God for who he says he is and find out. Amen. And we need to do that. Amen. This is not the goal. Jesus has got us moving somewhere else. And I don't know about you, but I'll be doggone if I'm going to get on a flight and fly for 90 minutes and brag about being 30,000 feet in the air and how good it feels, only to come back to the same place that I started from. I am going to move and follow Jesus, period. And it's going to take an act of faith. To do it. And the Lord is asking of you to do it. Because he's not a respecter of persons and this isn't for pastors. This is for followers of Jesus. I've got too many stories. I don't know. When I look back on it. I don't know. I mean, I planted... With the Lord's help, of course. We planted this church in Annapolis. And I, and I always talked in terms before COVID, because COVID really changed the church. But we, were, we probably had a $400,000 a year budget. In the 22 years I was there, we never hit budget. 
ever. Because just after we would hit budget, the Lord would reveal new vision. And I could tell you this, we never missed a bill. We never closed the doors. We moved through the things in faith. And that is bizarre. It's bizarre for a church, but I'm speaking more about you. Jesus can do that for you. And that's what this step of tithing is all about. It's us declaring, I'm putting more trust in Jesus than I am putting in my own ability to save or work or, or you know, manipulate bonds or whatever that is for you. I'm going to put my trust in the Lord. And so one of the greatest acts of violence a church does when they get together putting the offering in. Why is that violent? Because it goes against everything in our nature to hold on. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. You know that. You feel that. Now listen, here's another aspect of it. When you have a man or a woman who's going after God in faith, it changes the environment around them. I don't have time to go through all of Gideon, but I can tell you, God shows up and he says to him, listen, your father has built this altar to Baal. I want you to tear that down. I want you to go sacrifice this bull. I want you to declare to this community, you're putting your trust and hope in me. And I can tell you what happened to the enemies of Israel. They got taken care of quick, fast, in a hurry. But I love um, Joash, which is Gideon's dad, who built all that, he says this after he watched his son move in this act of faith. And in Judges 6.31, he says, but Joash said to all who stood against him, Joash came to Gideon's rescue because the community said, who tore down this idol? He said, would you plead for Baal? Would you save him? Let the one who would plead for him be put to death by morning. If he's a God, let him plead for himself because his altar has been torn down. And I hear that cry coming out to the place where the Spirit of God is speaking all over the world today and saying, if there are followers of Jesus, let them stand up and be counted. Let them act out in a step of faith and let them go against the grain that's going on in this country. If you are a follower of Jesus, now listen, you can't do that if you just believe in Jesus. Listen, everybody in hell believes in Jesus. Every demon in hell believes in Jesus. This isn't about belief. This is about action and obedience. And so I don't know what the Lord is asking of you. I know he's asking of me things. I am going to trust him. And I don't know and care really what that looks like. I am going to be faithful with the things that God has given me. And I know that when he asks things of faith, it's, it's going to be tough because it's going against the flesh. In fact, I have to go back sometimes and I have to look at my notes and journaling well, all the miracles that God, oh yeah, that's right, he did that. Oh yeah, he did that. There was a woman that came, we were doing our prayer on Sundays and uh, her husband just suffered a major stroke, uh, probably two months earlier, 
And uh, she was coming to a place where she was destitute, and she didn't know how she was going to make it. I didn't have any answers for her, of course, but we were praying for her. And all of a sudden, the Lord said to her, or said to me to tell her, go home and check your mailbox. Now, I argued with God. I said, Lord, did you forget today's Sunday? <laughs> There's no mail Sunday. Lord, did you forget that? I, do you want me to really tell this woman in this state to go home and check her mailbox? So I did. I said, I don't know what this means, but as soon as you get home, check your mailbox. When she got home and opened her mailbox, she had a letter that was basically saying, we owe you $60,000, and we're releasing that money to you in a few days. It was an account in her husband's business years ago they had totally forgot about, and it came on Sunday in the mailbox. Now, I am not going to try to say to you that there's not going to be some risk involved. Of course there is. We're following the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he changes things on a regular basis. I just want to say to you, if we just bump our faith with God, the widow who puts in $5 that reflects a tithe releases $100,000 for the organization she gave it to. I don't know how the Lord does it. But he's not looking for us to meet any bills for you personally or any other thing. He's asking us to obey him and to follow him. And I'm here to tell you, leading my family for 43 years, it works. We live in a way that Colleen and I could never live without Jesus. In fact, I tell the story now, I can't afford not to tithe. <laughs> I can't afford not to. But there's other things of faith for us that, that he challenges us. So I'm, I'm just saying to you, think about uh, what I love about how Pastor Rich is leading is all the opportunities he gives us to give and all the things that are happening, like this phased in. I want you to think about supporting something. I want you to think about making a commitment to a missionary. I want you to think about obeying and following Jesus. Again, this is just for Christians. Jesus doesn't put that on people that are still exploring who Jesus is. I'm just talking about for you. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, why hold back? Bethel is in a place of needing a faith bump. We need to step our game up in faith. And I love the idea of this message where our obedience will actually free others and move others. I was, this is the last moment. In fact, if we could have the worship team come up. <clears throat> when I was about this part in the message, I know that there's others, there's other issues in the room. And I felt the Lord just speak clearly to me that there's somebody I believe it's in this room, but certainly online with us, there's somebody here that's hearing me, that you've been asking why it is that you feel like you're, you're, you're up against this. You see yourself as being good. You see yourself as being helpful, but you can't move past this, and you can't figure out what it is. And I want to tell you that there's an issue in your life that has to do with forgiveness. And you've given yourself a pass not to forgive. And the Lord's not going to let you move from this place in your life until forgiveness has been healed of. And that's the step of faith that you need 
Because listen, and this is clear, it's not about you giving approval to the one who hurt you. That's not what this is. This is about you being free and trusting Jesus for all the rest of it. And realize that he was the only one who could pay the price to keep you from hell. Is anybody grateful for that beside me? Are we grateful for that? We couldn't go there. We couldn't do it ourselves. You can't be that good. But he is. And so as our worship team sings this last song, I wonder if you would like to just declare, because see, faith is a gift. You could actually receive a gift of faith. And if you're facing something that you're like, I, I don't have the strength for this, you just need to receive a gift of faith. And as our worship team sings this last song, I would just encourage you, you making a move out of your seat. In fact, if you could, let's just stand to our feet right now. If you can. If, if, if you can't, stay seated. But as, as they sing this last song, you taking a step out of your seat and just making a move up here, it's not to confess anything. You're declaring before God, I need a step. I need faith in my life to move me into the next level. And I just want to encourage you to come in. If people need prayer, we'll be here. I'll be here to pray and, and, and don't get, go till we, till we get prayed or do you get prayed for. But when the worship team is done, unless the Holy Spirit comes down and just wrecks this whole room, you know, don't forget to let us go, okay? Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.